Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. I always used to get sick the week after our high school musical. Now that I'm a nurse and a health writer, I understand why. Lack of sleep, lack of proper nutrition, and stress all interfere with the ability of our immune systems to function optimally. If you worry about your boy's nutrition and sleep and stress, consider adding Haya Health vitamins to your daily routine. These chewable vitamins contain 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to support a healthy immune system. Use our discount code ONBOYS to get 50% off your first order. Go to HayaHealth.com and enter discount code ONBOYS to save 50%. Now to our episode. 106.2 million. That's 106.2 million people watching the Esports League of Legends Championship. Now bear with me, that's a video game championship. And that was back in 2017. Contrast that to a mere 15 million watching the Kentucky Derby horse race and only 9 million watching the Wimbledon tennis championship. If you are wondering what could possibly command the attention of 106 2 million people, you may only have to look as far as your son and his gaming buddies. You know, even their competition is intense. And yes, his obsession with games may drive you crazy. But did you know, and we're going to tell you today, there is way more happening than the eye can see. Today, we're talking with Dr. Baro Hyun, author of Demystifying Esports. We'll be exploring and explaining the industry of esports and why, especially if you're raising a son, it may be time to change your outlook on video games. Welcome, Dr. Hyun. Thanks for having me, Janet. Jennifer, great to be here. I loved the introduction to your book because you told the story about how there is this clear generation gap between gamers and say people of my generation and say your son's grandmother. Tell us what happened. What happened here was that, uh, so I, I figured that we're living in a, in a society where, you know, gaming has so much like different perspective depending on the generation that you ask. And what happened to me is that I have two boys, six and eight, living with their grandmother. And they're so much into uh, Nintendo Switch, which is one of the popular uh, console game nowadays. They've been playing this game called Fortnite, which is pretty popular 
Fortnite is hugely popular and, as you likely know, has been the subject of many discussions and fights in families. Yes, yes, thank you, Jennifer. Exactly. And that same thing happened here in Japan where I live. So uh, one day, uh, the grandmother had a bad day, and my, my second son, he's so into it, and he's only six years old. And, you know, one day just, she couldn't stand that. So uh, she ended up cutting the charging cable of the Nintendo Switch. And that kind of, you know, that was like a huge, that was a huge episode internally, but that kind of brought to my attention that, wait a second, there's something going on here. And there may be some kind of a generation gap going on because gaming for like me who grew up with it or to my sons are something very positive or something that they spend most of their time with. Whereas, you know, my parents' generation who never probably didn't have much gaming experience is something a very mystery still. Maybe it's like it's very time consuming or attention, you know, taking away kind of content. So I was trying, I wanted to build that gap through this book. I like how you were writing about it and you were saying that, uh, you know, this woman is is a kind woman, a slow to anger woman. This is not a side of her you've you've seen before, but there was just something about the kids and the video games that's so common that that reaction. A lot of us parents and even though many of us who are parents now did have some experience with gaming, you know, we were around for the first generation of gaming, which is very different from what exists today. And mm-hmm. then, of course, you've got grandparents who didn't have any experience with this. So the default for so many adults, our internal mental default is this is a waste of time. You should be doing something better with your life. And it just brings up these visceral feelings of frustration and anger and probably failure even too. Janet, do you hear some of that when you talk with clients? Oh, absolutely. And it was fun, Baro, because I I was remembering that I was probably in my 20s before I even saw a video game, which was Pac-Man. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm that dates me and it's in this big thing and it's right, at a restaurant right. cause you can't have it in your house. <laughs> right. It just kind of made me realize I'm in that older generation that did not grow up with video games. So there is this clear delineation of this is recreational. And as we're gonna hear today, it's even more than recreational because mm-hmm. it's the, these competitions are fierce, but how did video gaming, the ones I remember, Pac-Man and Mario Brothers, how did this become esports? The way I see it is that so video gaming, as you experience, has been around since like since the 70s and like Pac-Man or, or, or Space Invader or whatsoever. But if you look back in the 90s, uh, where I grew up in South Korea, I, I learned that that's where it kind of started as an esports business. So we had like... A lot of tournaments, events based on video games even back before then, like in the States or Japan, there were a lot of like, say, I don't know if you know, Street Fighters or, you know, mm-hmm. like that sort of thing. There were tournaments like that. But when it really took up as a business and like there's a surrounding ecosystem that supports that as a, to be a sustainable business, that happened in the 90s in South Korea. And one thing that, you know, uh, that I learned later is that, you know, even that that back in the days, like when that really was taking off, it was a game that wasn't produced in South Korea. It was a game produced in, in the States, actually, called StarCraft by Blizzard. Now, now it's now called Blizzard, Activism Blizzard. And it's this genre game that is very uh, strategic. 
real-time strategy game. It's called. That was just a huge boom, and I was back back in those. I was like middle school, junior high school student, and I, I still clearly remember that it was such a huge boom. Everybody was playing it, and it kind of started from there. And honestly, I didn't know it was gonna be this big. Like you know, after twenty years, and if I think of it, like in in the end of those you know and those days, like still the perception of the society in South Korea was very very negative about gaming. A lot of Like you know, my parents very angry about it. <laughs> I have some episodes that I you know jump out of the window just to play more games uh, during all night. You know, <laughs> so I'm sure there's a lot of episodes like that for a lot of people who grew up in South Korea back then. And you know, and there was some series of uh, events that really kind of made the crowd bigger. So we had local businesses, uh, facility businesses, was like an internet cafe dedicated for esports playing uh, games uh, mm -hmm. that really took off in Korea called PC Bang. And we have a, a local a cable network in Korea that all of a sudden decided to do 24-7 esports broadcasting. And that kind of also increased the crowd in an, uh, and nationwide. We started to have like professional teams and professional players in, in early 2000. These are the players that you can see even nowadays. I mean, you know, nowadays they earn a lot of money. But, you know, that was the, really the start. Like, you know, they call themselves a full-time professional esports player. And they mm. became famous. And a lot of the students at school became their wannabe, you know, idol. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of grows up like that. So, after, you know, it, it took about two decades to, you know, reach this place where we are right, right now. But that's how I saw it. You know, it's interesting to me that it didn't happen that quickly on the same timeline here in the States. We are still behind that in many ways. Um, and so here it seems like it's within the last five-ish years that our kids have really gotten into like watching other gamers on YouTube. You know, mm -hmm. Ninja was a, a big yeah. one streaming that, that the, oh, the yeah. kids all knew. And right. it seemed for so many of us parents that a reaction is what you said. It's like, you're seriously just sitting there watching somebody else yeah. play a video game. <laughs> right. And that sounds so ridiculous to many of us grownups, many of us, American grown-ups who sit there on the couch and watch the NFL play every Sunday. So there's similarities there, and yet we don't see that. What do you think is that mental disconnect there? Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And if I remember back in my days, so when I switched, like back in Korea, this was in the 90s, about that, you know, broadcasting channel who decided to just go esports only. And I remember coming back from school and, you know, switching off the television and there was like StarCraft going on all of a sudden. I never seen StarCraft on a television. It's like, what's going on, right? I was so surprised. But then, Then you have this casters and commentators, just like the sports setup, and they explain what's really going on. And also mm. all the stories behind the players that the build up that why they have to win and, you know, what what was the matches like before? And, you know, that this is their strategy, etc. So the point is that there's a lot of stories going on, just like traditional sports like NFL whatsoever, you know, and and it's those stories that we people as, you know, spectator, uh, like really get into it. And that realization, you know, that gaming before was just more of a like a player entertainment for more of a playing and uh, from a playing perspective but it's more of a viewership nowadays as you mentioned it jennifer so i think that that you know clear paradigm shift is something that you know that became clear and that's the, probably the fundamental reason why the esports industry is really growing right now when you mentioned the stories them sharing the strategy and the stories that made me think about the olympic broadcasting because yeah. you know every mm -hmm. four years so many of us around the world we watch the olympics 
we watch sports that we didn't even know were sports Mm -hmm. and we rely on those commentators. They tell us the stories of some of these athletes and then we're, we're emotionally invested. Mm -hmm. And, and we watch a guy on skis with a gun and normally (laughs) I don't even know what you call that sport. What is that, Janet? Do you know? There's a name for it. Yeah, there's there, a name for it. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, every four years we can think of it, but I can't think of it right now. Right. But yeah. as humans, we are very driven to stories. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what you're mm-hmm. saying is that's part of the draw of esports mm-hmm. is stories and then um, learning what's actually happening. It's not just this cartoon character moving on a screen, there's more mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like if you look into it, like it, it. I mean, there's a lot of genres of game, of titles of games. So it really depends on the what you know that that type as well. But you know, a lot of the time, these esports games are very strategic. I mean, it started from as simple as you know, as you mentioned, uh, Pac-Man before. But now it's really, really complicated. It's like it uses a lot of brain power all the time, very constantly. You have to move all the time, and you just wonder like how how someone can manage to do that. But it's so it's really strategic, and sometimes depending on the game, it's the game itself is very team played, team oriented. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of coordination, communication going on, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of smartness that's that goes inside of the game. And once you start understand what's the rule behind the strategy behind, it gets even more more entertaining right. as, as, as a viewer. Uh, so give us the through line here, Baro, because I know there's parents out there whose sons are saying, you know, I'm going to be a YouTube gamer. I'm going to make lots of money playing video games. And, you know, just as like Jen said about the Olympics, you don't just get to strap on skis and grab a rifle and go out and do that <laughs> sport that we can't think of the name of, but, um, we're going to get takes, emails. You know, <laughs> I know. It, we, we will put it in the show notes, listeners, because I know you want to know. Give us, you know, kind of yeah. the through line. How possible is it really to make money being an esport gamer? I'm not sure what mm-hmm. the terminology is there. You know, to all those parents whose sons are holed up in their bedrooms watching video games or uh, playing what's the what is the possibility what's possible for them simple answer to that is that so playing games as a hobby or leisurely is very entertaining but if the moment you start to get into the professional world either that being a professional esports player or being a content creator like ninja it's a completely different story so you're not playing games for fun anymore you're playing games to win or you're playing games to create contents professionally. Mm-hmm. That does not that does not mean necessarily align with your own interests. So I think knowing that That's a good point you know, because right? you know any kind of professional as mm-hmm. as a writer, as a creator, as a musician, mm-hmm. there's what you want to make because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you need to keep an eye on the pulse of what people want. So right. if your favorite game is not the one that the most people are watching. Well, you're going to have to learn that other one if you want to do this as a living. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, my, for example, my mother is a musician and I, I had a moment back in the days like, I want to be a musician and I was talking to my mother and she was like, absolutely no. Like if you want to do, if you want to make music as a hobby, just do it as a hobby. The moment if you want to do it as a living, it's not going to be fun anymore. And it goes along that line. I just said it. So if you want to be a professional player, for example, to win, to be part of a, you know, part of a professional team, 
there's going to be a lot of hours of training and dedication and a lot of investment of your time just to reach that level because you know there's just so many people around the world who's good at it so if you want to win that there's going to be a lot of a uh, lot of support and a lot of you know a lot of just a lot of de dedication for that and some people don't you know they may try a lot of people may try but it's not that all the people make make it to that level a lot of people you know fall off and maybe just go to different route so there's going to be it's same thing with any sort of profession so i i think as a parent i think it's important to let your kids know it's not just about playing uh you know playing fun games but it's also about you know that dedication commitment that you you want to be good at it and i i think a lot of the kids that i see i mean forgive my kids they don't realize like how much I mean, they're still eight and six. They don't realize how much it's gonna take for them to be that professional level. But you know, as as a parents who can guide them, I think it's important to let them know that the profession, as a profession, it's a completely different story. Let me ask you this question. So one of the things that we see happen in athletics, for instance, is you've mm -hmm. got a kid who's interested in uh, baseball or lacrosse and maybe showing some promise, wanting to, you know, take it further. And so the parents are like, we're going to get you a coach. And we find a coach. Is that something that is happening at the youth level with esports already? Yeah, uh, depending on the region. So, for example, in North America, it, it, which is really advanced market right now, and that, that's something that's happening right now. So, for example, in the collegiate scene, the esports uh, league is huge. So we have something called uh, Collegiate Star League. And this is from a college level. And uh, this is, uh, I think it's already like 2000 universities are already involved. And they are different leagues within that league. So we have like, say, maybe four different leagues. Um, like this is sort of a minor league divisions. And okay. the more you go up, of course, the prize money gets higher. And, and the good thing is about this, if you win that league, the prize money is given as a scholarship in the form of scholarship of that, you know, university that this kid is in, in, enrolled. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so which is really helpful, you know, for family. So we already have that in North America, and I would say, like, like other places, like where I live in Japan, is starting. Uh, we have local events targeting for junior high, high school students, and we also have club activities within schools. People can start from there. It's it's growing, but uh, yeah, the scale wise in North America is way bigger, and uh, yeah, I, I I see a lot of potential. That I'm aspect. curious what just came to mind is how, what's, do you know what any statistics around how many girls, how many boys are like what the percentage is? Just curious. I don't have the exact numbers right now, but that's also a really good point about esports. So the reason why it grew this big is that the audience has been, uh, we, we've been seeing a very growing number of female audiences. So for mm -hmm. example, gaming has been traditionally very male oriented field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, when it really took off in Korea, what was what was one of the milestones was that we have more female fans, like junior high school high schoolers who once the star player came out. These star players have, I mean, they play well, but they also have the good looks and they have the you know like the idol kind. So more girls who never played game before showed up to the to the crowd and with their you know placard or whatsoever and they become fans and they become they have more, more, more interest in the games itself and now i think now we see uh compared to what 20 years before we're seeing more uh balanced crowd with male and female audiences i would say Mm -hmm. I know, Janet, I've written previously a little bit about esports in American high schools, and it's still very much a growing area, as, as you were just saying. The people that I've talked with 
said that majority of the people coming out are boys, but mm. that yes, there are girls. And usually you get one, you get another one, and then it, it grows more. And they point out that one of the beautiful things about esports versus traditional athletics is, you know, the physical differences between the genders yep. doesn't matter. Doesn't you matter. You can yeah. have boys and girls working together, competing together. You can have very, very different physical abilities and still be able to play esports together. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me. So I'm 51. She's 41. And she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash on boys. Winona, menopause care made easy. Exactly, exactly. Like, you know, you, you mentioned so well, like, like it's, it's also in my book, like we had a quite a quite a few uh, female star players in Korea as well. And these players competed you know, very well with the, with the male star players. And, you know, that's, that's how they, you know, like, like place their record in the, in the, in the, in, the, in you know, in, in the history. And they're still like very active in their own, in the, uh, their, U- as a YouTuber, they still play. And it's like female star, like the, the star players are like really all over the place, I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm curious too. So we talked about how, you know, maybe your son is not destined to be at the top of the Star League or, you know, win, win a collegiate scholarship. But there are career paths in this industry. 
Talk about some of the other options that that isn't just the being the game player, but all of the other industries that have uh, popped up around esports. The so-called second career has been uh, one of the topic that the industry's been is a hot topic because, as you as you can imagine. Uh, being an esports player, uh, the lifespan of being an esports player is not too long. Some can be as short as like a few years. And say if you hit 25, you're already like you know time for retirement. <laughs> We're talking about that sort of level. It's sort of like a figure skating. If you see the the history, there's actually quite a few options. So what's the most often is that so star player becomes a, a head coach of this professional teams, for example, uh, head coach or head director. Of the team, so they no may no longer play actively as a player, but they train uh, more uh, younger players for their team. So that's uh, one of the probably obvious uh, choices for them. Also, uh, among the star players, we've seen a lot become um, almost a celebrity. Mm-hmm. So television celebrity. So they no longer play games anymore, but they just showed up in a national light television and like some sort of a celebrity program. And we ha- even have a case where this uh, guy was married to a, a very famous actress as well. So we have that kind of path as well. But so you can go more- on dancing with the stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that in the States, right? So it's, it's a really, you know, I, I, this is something that happens very, you know, often yeah. in traditional sports as well, right? Like we have Mike Tyson and Michael Jordan whatsoever. So absolutely. We also have people who decided to go to the corporate side. So we have uh, a lot of the players, they join a gaming companies because game companies need players who do, does the sort of say a tuning of the game. So what really what's really important of nowadays modern game is that the balance between the characters within the game to say if one character is too strong compared to another character it's no longer fun anymore so they do they spend a lot of good time on fine tuning the balance between the game characters for entertainment so and these area is really well suited for these professional players because they know as a, as a user side. So uh, that's one area that also they get involved. But not only to that, a lot of the uh, some some players also get inside to uh, casters or commentator route. This is similar as traditional sports as well. We have former player, former athlete becoming mm-hmm. a commentator mm-hmm. and they tell a more deeper story because they have been in that shoe, same shoes before. So what kind of mentality that this player is going through right now that's sort mm-hmm. of so you know, so that's also around. We're talking about business professional, like event organizers, marketers, team manager, or like in a broadcaster. These are all the areas where these, you know, esports professional get involved and in, in, in their future career. So I would say, uh, you know, playing as a good player. I mean, your career as a good player is one, but that's not that's just only one part of it. You have a huge ecosystem that's, you know, a supporting behind it. Are right. there agents involved at all? Like, you know, in, in athletics, so many of the oh, yeah. top players have agents that negotiate oh, yeah. their deals. Same. Right, right. Same, same. So, so a lot of the top esports teams around the world, they don't have a one fixed nationality. So all the, they, they have different team. I mean, within the team, they have different, uh, like, you know, uh, titles of games. And what's interesting is that depending on titles, you have different mixture of nationalities, right? So for sure. example, like, Street Fighter, like uh, fighter games, are really strong. Uh, J- J- Japanese na- nationality is very strong. 
for example, like uh, shooters game, American National is really strong, and you have like you know that kind of combination. So really <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah, look at like, but of course oh. the Americans are good at the shooter I games. <laughs> I didn't mean that. For example, for example, true. For no, example. we get you, Barra. We get you. Yeah. <laughs> for example, yeah. not just, proud of that. <laughs> no, just take it as a <laughs> just as a, for example. And so there's a lot of trade that actually happening. A lot of the Korean young players are actually traded to Chinese teams or American teams. And in between, there's agents involved. Wow. Right? There's so much. I had no idea. Here's my big question, though. Okay. How did you, did you finally explain this to grandma? Like, (laughs) you know, it's one thing we can talk about this and go, yeah, wow, there's this whole world here and our kids are going to be part of this world, whether we like it or not. But did grandma ever find any peace with this? I think so. <laughs> so. Hopefully, I think so. So the good news is that so she started to understand what Fortnite is. So she's watching their her grandchildren play. And part of the reason, because, I mean, they all, always take over the television anyway in the living room. So she started to learn the rules and what is good. And, you know, she's seeing, clearly seeing that why the kids are so excited. For example, my younger son, uh, he's really excited about the sort of items that he gets, you know, yes. the different kind of guns, right? That's what he always talks about in dinner table and, you know, sending out quizzes like, okay, what's the strongest weapon among this list? And we don't, I mean, she doesn't have any idea, but, you know, just going with the flow, with the, you know, that cheerful atmosphere. And that's sort of the way of, you know, entering like learning more about the game, the content itself. And, and so in that sense, I would say, yes, I think we're going on a very good track. Uh, I, I don't know if she's ever going to play it, but at least she's uh, she's watching it. So I think that's a good sign. Yeah. And recognizing, you know, that is the way to connect with her grandsons. That's what they're exactly. interested in. Janet's heard me talk so many times. Like my youngest is, is 14 now. So I lived through his whole uh, Minecraft stage where he's all talking about the things that he's making and what he's found. And I, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then he, he and his brothers, they went through their Fortnite stage and I sat through all that. And he, the 14 year old is uh, into lawn mowers and has a lawn mowing business. And I have yeah. so many conversations about lawn mowers, which Janet knows, not my thing. But what's important is that this yeah. is important to my son. Yes, exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, like it's 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 as you mentioned, like Pac-Man, like it was like a huge, like solely on personal entertainment. You dig in as a player. Uh, some people may watch it. Now, it was purely on a personal entertainment side. But the game nowadays, you know, Fortnite and all that, it's such a great communication tool and a shared shared experience. So, uh, you know, I would say if you understand it as a parent, you don't have to play it, but just understanding the rules and just try to understand why your kids are excited about it. That's going to open up a lot of lot of conversation and a completely different dimension that you may have not haven't had that uh, experience before. And for me personally, I, I play Fortnite with them sometimes. And it's it's fantastic. And I'm so bad at it, but, you know, like they're so good at it. So we're, we're playing as a team and I can rely on them, you know, and they they take cover for me and they look after me. And nice. 
I feel so vulnerable in that space, but they're so good, you know? So what a great opportunity for your children. Like when Mm. our children get to be the experts Mm -hmm. on anything and we allow them to be better than us at something, because so often as the adults, you know, we are sort of almost trained not to show vulnerability. We want to be the one who knows it all. So when you sit down with your kids and you play Fortnite and they're like, oh, dad, dad, really? (laughs) Not here again, dad, right? (laughs) Yeah. Occasionally there's this moment, right? So playing with kids, like once in a while, I make a good move or uh, we make a victory as a team. And the the last move was uh, happens done by me. It was a good shot. And the the, the last opponent was down and you became a hero, right? I mean, like the praises, the the cheer, like the energy that comes from your kids towards you as a dad. It's like, dad, you did it. You know, it's probably the same feeling as you feel like if you play sports together and you Mm -hmm. won a basketball match or something. Right. So it's, 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 it's that sensation that, you know, that after you, I, I experienced it, I can't really stop playing games together with my kids. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm really curious about how we have to, we have to recognize that we're in a pandemic and I'm wondering how, I can just imagine that this has been an industry that has probably grown during mm. this time. Tell us, mm. tell us what the effect of a global pandemic has been on esports. Of course, esports. A lot of the time, we have tournaments, and these tournaments happen in offline, you know, uh, stadiums, and sure. those has been canceled or postponed. But playing the game itself or uh, watching the game uh, as, a, as a viewing content has been grown. Like you see, I mean, there's data out there from Netflix or gaming companies that the playing time or watching time has been grown significantly. So and a lot of the games nowadays, including Fortnite and other games are basically pretty much everything is online. Yeah. So you need to have an online connection and connecting with anybody who's connected around the world and you can chat like we're doing right now over voice voice chat. So it's it's there's no reason why not to do it. And especially if you're you know locked down at your home and you, you have a <clears throat> great chance to connect with new friends. And for example, like here in Japan, there's a new business came out of uh, this. Uh, so people uh, kids playing Fortnite and trying to learn English. Because, oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, learning English is a huge business in Japan. And, you know, a lot of there's a lot of, uh, you know, small businesses that provides that. But someone combined it that, you know, their kids favorite passion in gaming and the fact that, you know, you meet you get to meet a lot of people outside of Japan who's basically English speaking or you have to speak English. So that way you naturally learn how to make a conversation with someone outside of Japan, for example. So it's really evolving in that sense, given this during this pandemic, I would say. There's lots of opportunities for uh, cross-cultural learning and experience there Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. well, because the games have become a universal thing. You know, Fortnite or League of Legends played all around the world. So there's that commonality. There's certain words and phrases that will get used all the time in the game. Kids can learn and connect with people in other countries. And this is where we're heading in the 21st century and beyond is cross-cultural communication, working globally. These are marketable skills oh, yeah. that our kids can be developing through gaming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In- inherently, just just through yeah. playing gaming is what, the, what they like and by the by the time they're growing up, they already have that, you know, skill set inherently that build up for themselves. And you, you don't have to spend 
time or money to, you know, actually learn that skill set from some outside institute or whatsoever. It's already in there, which is really a, a good prospect, I would say, as you mentioned. Yeah. I'm curious, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but, and Jen, maybe you do say I have a child here in Portland, Oregon, and, you know, schools are locked down. So esports isn't happening there. Are there esport clubs in a city that I can call up and say, hey, my kid wants to find other people to play with so that he can increase his skill level? Is that a thing? That's a really good question. So I, I wish I know better, especially in Oregon. But what I know is that uh, there is in Japan. And so here's the difference between Japan and the States. So my impression is that a lot of the activities in the States uh, are uh, led by uh, private sector. So a lot of the game companies and, you know, a team sponsor whatsoever. So it's heavily led by the private sector. Okay. Whereas in, in Japan, it's we have a very strong leadership on the public sector. So we have the central government and also the, the regional municipal bodies are leading a lot of activities for, uh, for you know, growing their community, local community, and also, you know, having that opportunity for kids to, you know, um, you know have their passion more in, in something that they like. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my clients locally here are actually uh, local municipal bodies where they already have a, some sort of esports association, local association where they, they, they likely have a, some kind of facility where, you know, anybody can just drop by, pop up, wow. and, you know, there's some games available and they will teach how to play. And if there's some people interested, they, they'll make a group, a team together. And, you know, the good news is that there are also a lot of local competition going on. And, and these local municipal, we have 47 prefectures. And there, there's so many things happening at all these local prefectures. And we have this local prefecture like competition going on as well. I don't see why the same thing could not happen in the state as well. We, we may not have seen it so far yet, but I think that there's a huge potential there. There's definitely things increasingly going on through schools. And even mm -hmm. those schools, not all schools, but some schools are still physically closed. Some of them are still doing things like esports because that's a lot easier to continue in a pandemic from home than, say, football. That might still be an option. I know um, anecdotally, I just heard recently about somebody from the town I'm from um, that's at college, and their college has seen an increase in people who went out for esports this year mm. because it's like the activity that's still happening. Yeah. So there may be opportunities there. The other thing that I would recommend is just Googling, you know, your area, esports, and see what is available. It will likely vary greatly depending on where you are in the country, but mm -hmm. um, keep looking. And if there's interest, this can also be a great opportunity for kids to take the lead in some exactly. cases. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. Totally Our agree. high school started an esports team two years ago, and that was led by a kid who said, hey, can we do this? I've seen uh, quite a few universities already in the States that has club activity or even scholarships or even programs. Uh, and I, I know there's few school, uh, quite a few schools in uh, high school and uh, junior high school also doing club activities. But, you know, considering all the numbers in the in, in North America, there can't be more and all the passions going on. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the kids are playing at home, mm -hmm. but take it to school and take it, you know, and more of as a you can start as a club activity. 
and there are already some infrastructures out there that you can try to relate to as a college activity, like a, yes. like the College Star League, for example. So mm-hmm. you know, I think that could be you paving your own way. You know, that's that's and 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 for for a kid who loves gaming and esports, that's that's something I'm sure they have the passion to do so. And it's a huge self-esteem building thing. Oh, and yeah. when I, mm. I wrote an article about um, high school esports teams, and one of the things the coaches were mm. saying was that for a lot of these kids, then this became their connection to school. That yeah. these were kids who didn't formerly feel like they were really part of that school ecosystem, that they didn't have a role. They weren't the jocks, they weren't the scholars, but now they have esports. And because it was a school activity, these kids had to adhere to the same criteria as um, the athletes and everything else for participating. So they had to attend classes. They had to maintain a certain grade level to be able to play. And that this was an important way of helping the kids come to school in some cases. Yeah, I mean, you know, that reminds me of a story. Uh, So uh, I've been teaching esports at a local university here, KO, from 2018. And it was an esports dedicated course that we first tried it. And, you know, we weren't sure how this is going to be well, I mean, received. So we started off as a small trial as a, a grad level course, 14 weeks, one semester. We were expecting about 10 people. But the first day, 20 people showed up and half of them were undergrad students. And we interviewed them one by one. It's like, why are you here? It's a grad student. And they all said, like they never seen a course like this esports and and esports dedicated course and they said they don't need to take any credits they just want to sit in the entire semester it's like okay there's something going on yeah and the media also took cover of it so we had a lot of great media exposure etc and that was the first year and then with the second year we took it to the undergrad level the maximum capacity was 70 people but the first day guess what we had 180 people showed up you know we were just blown away we're really happy about it of course but at the same time the way we structured the course is that it's not like me talking about what esports is and every week we had guest speakers who's actually being involved in the esports industry. For example, we had Microsoft, HP, or mm-hmm. Alibaba, whatsoever, who's actually doing an esports business in that space and share their part of the story. And at the end of it, end of the semester, we let uh, the students do, uh, do a team project and do a team presentation and make a pitch to these guest speakers if they're yeah, going to yeah. make a business pitch. And if the guest speakers like them, I mean, they can hire them if they want to, right? So it was sort of like that, you know, we had that nice, like a little ecosystem going on for the students. They can dream about their passion and there's actually a career path that actually they can talk to. And it's been going really great in that. And, and, and you know, just remind, remind me of that story since you mentioned it, Jennifer. We have yes. talked so many times on the show about the fact that so many boys are disengaged from school. Right. They're like, what's the point? There's nothing here for me. Mm. And it's not the boys. It is not <laughs> the boys. You just shared such a perfect example of when you offer something mm. that is interesting to people that touches on something they care about. You had people taking that class who weren't going to get credit for it. They wanted that information. They wanted to learn. This is what is possible. The most popular lecturer was one of the head coach of uh, one of the esports professional player for League of Legends. And he asked the students as a homework, okay, if you're a League of Legends player, bring me your play record, video record to the class. And what he'll do is that he'll give a live coach in the class and give them guidance like this is oh, what you're wow. supposed to do and that was that blown away a lot of the league of legends student players and you know they some people some students took that comment to their personal t- tweet 
and it was retweeted like a couple thousand times and it was like really buzzed back then so like that was like sort of the you know the really like reception that we got that we saw in class that we usually don't see it which was which was pretty exciting well i have learned so much today and i have to say i did google skis rifle olympics <laughs> i got the name of it what is it Biathlon. Oh, yes, Biathlon. Right. Biathlon. Yes. I was thinking duathlon, and I, I was so close. <laughs> so close. So, so close. close. So we've all learned something today, and I bet our listeners are kind of. I mean, I'm really just pretty blown away by just this expansiveness and the what's out there and the possibilities around esports and uh, being in that older generation i did not grow up with video games my kids did not have video games so it's really given me a lot of new perspective around this this industry and the possibilities that are there for our boys and girls remind our listeners of the name of your book in case you know they want something to I don't know, give to grandma as a Christmas gift, for instance. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. So my book, my new book just came out two days ago. It's called uh, Demystifying Esports. And I mean, you know, Janet summarized really well. That's exactly the reason why I wrote this book to bridge the generation gap with who has minimal gaming experience and with the generation who has almost all the gaming experience themselves. If this could bridge, I mean, this could be a good communication starter within the household, I think I'll, I'll, I'll die peacefully. And so please check out. That'll be great. <laughs> well, and you have lots more games in your future. So, so we're not going there yet. But how can people reach you if they'd like to hear more or get in touch with you? I'm active on LinkedIn. So that's one way. If you want to shoot me an email, uh, demystifyingesports at gmail. That's my address. So feel free to shoot me and give me a shout out and uh, happy to, you know, connect there. Nice. Thank, Thank you, you so much for your time today. And listeners, in case you weren't aware, um, you joined us from Japan. This is our first conversation with somebody live in Japan. We've done um, Australia before, but this is our first. So thank yeah. you for being our first guest from Asia to join us. Awesome. Arigatou <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Thanks so for having much. me. Thank you so much. That was a fascinating conversation about esports. Now your son might be home playing video games and you might be worried about how much time he's spending on screens, what else is missing in his life. And we want to tell you about a online counseling service where you can get your boy connected to some help if you feel like he is needing extra support during these uncertain times. Are you worried about your teen's mental health? We've talked a lot about mental health concerns here on On Boys. We've talked about anxiety, depression, suicide prevention. It's real. These things are happening. If you think that your teen might benefit from some professional support, I have an option for you. Go to teencounseling.com slash teenboys. Teen Counseling will connect your 13 to 19 year old with a licensed professional counselor. And all of the counseling sessions are done via video conferencing or phone. And your teen can text too if they need extra support. The best part, with Teen Counseling, you have access to expertise that might not be available locally. You can choose a gay therapist, for instance, or a person of color. On Boys listeners get 10% off their first month. 
Sign up at teencounseling.com slash teenboys. Thanks for joining On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.